0: Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now, here's your host, Chad Dotson.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 247 of the world's most dangerous podcast. Joining me again this week, your friend and mine, the inimitable Jason Linden. What's going on today, Jace?
0: Not much, Chad. How are you doing?
1: Oh man, I'm just uh, living the
0: dream over here. The dream? What is the dream? What's it look like?
1: Um, yeah, all right, you called my bluff. You called my bluff. Not really living the dream. Sorry. Um. All right, Siri's talking to me. Sweet. Uh, <laughs> Boys, a bang up start here for the world's most dangerous podcast today. Uh, Jason, we're here to talk about the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, you know this team, correct?
0: I am aware of their existence, yes. Uh,
1: We have followed this team for quite some time, and uh, we have uh, quite a long history celebrating the Cincinnati Reds, and uh, this is now episode number 247 of the podcast where we talk about the Reds. Right now, there's not a ton of uh, real action to talk about. There are a few things I want to get into uh, before we do a little bit of viewer mail later, but the big news of the week, obviously, and it really caught everybody by surprise, longtime Reds broadcaster. Marty Brenneman says he's gonna retire after the 2019 season, which would be his 46th season broadcasting games on the radio for the Cincinnati Reds. And uh, you know I, we I don't know what to say about this other than uh, this guy has been he was the, child, the the soundtrack to my childhood. He has uh, sort of been the voice that's been in my head over the years more than almost anyone in the world outside of my family certainly probably the only uh, you know more than anyone in the world and uh it's just uh he's 76 years old still healthy still traveling still doing some things I think wants to get out and enjoy himself a little bit more so it's not that surprising given that but on the other hand I don't know I kind of expected him to just always be there so any thoughts on marty brennan announcing his retirement
0: um I, I Not too different from yours. I think, you know, Marty, I think for for most of us who have been Reds fans our whole lives has been kind of a fixture, um, you know, especially back in the Marty and Joe days. I, I think the last several years have not maybe been his best, and I kind of think it's time. But uh, but it's still Marty, you know? He's like your, I don't know, lovably cranky uncle, I guess. <laughs> like, he's, you know, we're going to miss him, and he's, he's I think, been... And uh, an outsized he's had an outsized importance in, in many of our lives than, than you would expect from a, a baseball broadcaster.
1: Well, there's no question. No question about it. And, uh, you know, whatever you think about the current state of the Reds and however old you are, frankly, as a Reds fan, unless you're like, you know, really, really old. Um, and I hope some of you that are listening are really old. But uh, for just about everyone that's a Reds fan right now, a hardcore Reds fan, Marty Brenneman's been part of the package and uh and i know people have uh, sort of gotten irritated we all have with uh, occasionally with his kind of grumpiness um but i truth of the matter is i've given him a pass on that for a while um for a couple of reasons number 1 because he's just so special to me personally as a uh an icon in cincinnati and uh, and also because I, I you know if i got my start broadcasting the big red machine games I'd probably be grumpy about watching Jimmy Haynes, too. Is that
0: fair? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, That is not unreasonable.
1: Uh, I do want to talk about a couple of things just really quickly, um, and, and we probably should unpack this a little more with some of our memories. And we did have a good a good uh, viewer mail question that we're not going to get into tonight, uh, we're not going to have time to do, but just that we should do sort of a retrospective in some way. And I just want to mention a couple of things of, about Marty. I mean, I, I remember Marty and Joe. Sort of being uh, playing in the background as we were playing wiffle ball games in the front yard uh, growing up, and uh, let me see if this little stat amazes you as much as it did me. Chris Garber, uh, who authored a book called The Big Fifty, anyway, uh, Chris Garber wrote on Twitter that Marty and Joe they go together. Marty and Joe have been with the Reds; they they date back to 1944, basically, except for one year, 1961, when uh, when Joe went to Kansas City, I think. But uh, one or the other of them have been with the Reds since 1944. It's over half of this team's history. And when he said that, and I thought, I thought that's true. That, does that blow your mind, I guess, as much as it does mine?
0: That is that is fairly mind-blowing, yeah. That's, I mean, and the Reds, as they're fond of reminding us, and really a lot this year, have been around for 150 years. Yeah, so. crazy.
1: So, um, but, but Marty, obviously, Marty and Joe, uh, it was a special uh, – you know, chapter that we wrote in our book. Did I mention the big 50, the men and moments that made the Cincinnati Reds?
0: Uh, well, you just did.
1: <laughs> well, I do want to give special note because you know, Marty agreed to write the forward to the book for us. And this whole book process has been really special for me and Chris. And, and, and we were so excited to get a chance to write a book and, and to actually see it in print. But the fact that we got the, you know, uh, got to work with Marty on a forward and that he agreed to do that and, um, uh, lend whatever, uh, credibility he has to our little project. I'll never forget it. Uh, he's an absolute legend in Cincinnati and I don't think anyone would disagree with that. Whether you like what he's been saying over the last few years or not, he's an absolute legend and he'll be missed. Any final thoughts on Marty? Uh, Jason, I kind of put you on the spot there.
0: No, I think I would, I would just agree with you. You know, it's, uh, you grow, like, like I said, just we all of us grew up listening to Marty and Joe and, uh, and it's, it's going to be a little bit strange that, that first, first season with, without Marty around.
1: It's going to be a uh, bizarre. And, and one of the, uh, well, we'll talk about it in a moment. One of the uh, questions is who's going to replace him. One of the viewer mail questions. And there's some, there are some thoughts about that. We might if hopefully we can get to that question, but let's talk about what's going on on the field right now. And of course there's nothing going on on the field. It's the middle of winter, Jason. Why would you even suggest such a thing?
0: I don't know, Chad. I, I'm, I'm, i must be kind of loopy
1: tonight. <laughs> um. I want to talk about this. You saw this piece, I think, uh, that our buddy Dave Schoenfeld over at the ESPN wrote. Um, Dave was uh, my editor the short time I was writing for ESPN.com there, and uh, he's a really good guy. And but he rarely writes about the Reds because the Reds have not been on the radar. And he had this piece where he said, "Here's how the Reds could shake things up." Uh, You know, four moves they could make basically that get them in the this year's, you know, more of a more in contention this year, while also possibly long term as well. And I want to see what you thought thought about these four deals. First one, sign A.J. Pollock to play center field. Number two, acquire Sonny Gray from the Yankees. There have been rumors the Reds are still in on Gray here, and the rumors that they're not in on it uh, this week. We can talk about that. Number uh, three, and this was the big one that got people. Uh, get their antenna up. Trading Scooter Jeanette, Scott Shebler, Taylor Trammell, and Tony Santion to the Indians for Corey Kluber. And number four, installing Nick Senzel at second base. Now, wh- when you saw that, what, were your first, uh, what was your first reaction? Just to that big one? Well, to all of those uh, in combination. Or any of them, however you want to
0: unpack it. Um, I mean, Pollock would be an interesting add. I think any, any addition of Pollock is predicated on getting rid of some other outfielders. Um, they've got a lot of outfielders right now. Um, and so, okay, nice. Um, but I'm fine with it. I'm, I'm not interested in Sonny Gray. I don't think he's better than, than what the Reds have as is. I don't think he improves the team really. Um, so I don't need him. Um, I sure would love Corey Kluber. I think that that package is a little bit too rich for my blood, maybe.
1: Uh-huh. Well, that's that's uh, certainly arguable. I, Jeanette, I, Scott Schebler, Taylor Trammell, and Tony Santion.
0: Yeah, I that's mean, the, yeah, Schebler and Jeanette aren't really pieces in that, or at least Jeanette probably isn't. Um, Schebler comes with a little bit of control. I don't know. And, and also, I don't think that works because my understanding is that Cleveland is trying to shed payroll, right?
1: Well, the payroll they'd be taking on would just be Scooter Jeanette, who's a one
0: year. I mean, you know, yeah,
1: it's not long term payroll.
0: True. Still, I'm not, I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm not sure either Cleveland or the Reds do that deal. deal but I'm not sure I would give Santián and Tremel for Kluber. I don't know. You'd have to go farther down the list. I, I could see giving up one of the one of the top two for him. Um, but I don't. I think for an additional prospect, you're going to have to go farther down the list. than Santián for me.
1: You know, I I, I get that. And I've kind of gone back and forth. Uh, one moment I say, oh, man, that's that hurts. <laughs> that's a lot to give up. And uh, then the next minute I'm like, well, Corey Kluber. You know, you've got to give up something to get him, and you've got to give up something of value. And I think that's somewhere in the neighborhood. I, you know, we can change names in and out. And I don't know if the Indians would be uh, interested in that. I think I probably would do it. I think I probably would do um, do that. Deal. I, yeah. But then again, I may say that, uh, something different tomorrow. Yeah. Um. But here, here's how I would change up that little – well, let me let me just go through Schoenfeld's uh, reasoning. Uh, with Pollock, the uh, biggest problem with the current lineup is the lack of a true center fielder on the roster, and it provides a gold-glove caliber center fielder while keeping uh, Puig and Jesse Winker at their best positions. Agree with that. Pollock is just uh, – he's not been able to stay healthy, which worries me. But when, he, when he's on the field, he's good um, and, yeah. and, and good defensively as well uh Sunny Gray trade I'm with you I've got a different uh a different number 2 in that list than trading for Sunny Gray I don't mind getting Sunny Gray he's sort of a um, you know what the reds have I think he's a good candidate to bounce back some but he's not your ace he's not your number 2 um he is what he is uh, John Heyman this week uh there there's been some talk about Sunny Gray and the Trade Talks Yankees are motivated to trade him, I think, right now. And then the Reds were one of the names listed by John Heyman, and we always every time his name comes up, we're like, well, okay, whatever. And then someone else I can't remember said, No, the Reds aren't really hot and heavy. They've they've been, you know, in discussions, but they're not really one of the teams really pursuing Sonny Gray. So that is what it is. Um with the you know the trade, you don't have to say much more about that. And then of course Nick Senzel at second base. Yes, please. Yep. Yeah. What I would say instead of and, and I, well, first of all, I think that Schoenfeld is right, that those deals right there probably make the Reds awfully interesting and they're in the conversation for this year and uh, and still maintain some flexibility for future years as well. I yeah. I, I like it. I, if the Reds did all that, I'd be over the moon because um, I think it does improve the organization. and We can quibble about who they traded and all that. What I'd say is instead of acquiring Sonny Gray, how about this? Sign A.J. Pollock, trade whoever – I don't mind including Taylor Trammell, and you could probably talk me into throwing Santion into that deal too. But um, trade someone for Corey Kluber—that's number two. Number three, install Nixon's at second base. But number four, sign Dallas Keuchel. Yeah. Then you got Kluber and Keuchel, and now we're getting interesting. For the next three years, you got Kluber and Keuchel. Yep. Yeah. That's uh, yeah. All of a sudden, that's a that's a playoff caliber team. I, Am I being just – do I have my, you know, rose-colored glasses on here? Am I – No, no.
0: i no, really I a playoff it, team. I mean, I think – what would the top three then would be Kluber, Keichel, and Wood, and then Luis Castillo is your number four, and Tanner Rourke's your number five?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: I mean – And then you got,
1: you know, when the, inevitably someone gets hurt, you got Di Disclef- and uh, Tyler Malley. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a that's yeah. a legit rotation.
0: I I have a hard time disagreeing, with, and I mean that lot, we know they're going to score. I mean this team is going to hit for sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a playoff team. I mean the Central weirdly is maybe the strongest division in baseball right now. Yeah. Bad luck for us. Is that unreasonable to say? I feel like that's actually correct. No, I think it is. Yeah.
1: And, um, you've got five teams in the Central now that all are finally all at the same time actually trying to win.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I guess the Central is competitive. You you either have to try to win or accept irrelevance. Yeah. Um,
1: now, are they going to sign Pollock and Keichel? Oof, I have a difficult time believing they will do that, whether I think they should or could. But uh, if, if you just look at what uh, Schoenfeld suggested, you have a significantly better uh, roster. And let's see here you have uh it's 143 million is the estimated payroll which is right in where yeah you know we all sort of think the reds might be actually higher than that we think the reds might be so it's 143 million in payroll but then 52 million of that comes off the books next year with the uh, camp Roark, uh, Yasiel Puig, Alex Wood, and uh, Sonny Gray. And then you, even more if you, well, you've you already traded Scooter Jeanette. So, but those yeah. guys go off the books. And so you got flexibility to go get somebody next to go out and get Chris Sale next winner.
0: Potentially. But, I mean, also, of course, there you're looking at, at two-fifths of your rotation gone, which is already going to be the case. But, you know, you're going to have to spend some of that money then if you want to remain competitive.
1: Yeah. So let's let's do this let's get in the playoffs this year and I don't know, maybe win, maybe not in the playoffs, but then they have to, they have to go all in again next year, I guess is what I'm saying.
0: Yeah. I, yeah, they would have to. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I can't, you know, I waffle on this, but I really, for some reason, I guess I've just, I think I've said this on the podcast before, but I guess I've just seen enough talk. I really kind of want to see Taylor Trammell on a Reds uniform. It's, It's become kind of a, one of those like reasons that I don't run a baseball team kind of things. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I, I, I emotionally have a hard time giving him up right now for some reason. Uh, We'll see. I, I, I'd rather, I don't know. I feel like he might fit in real well next year.
1: I love Taylor Trammell.
0: I just feel like he's going to have an outfield problem. I mean, that's something that, that we need to pay attention to. The outfield has been pretty bad for a while. Um, And then after this year, they will once again just have Shevler and Winker. And who else? (laughs) So, you know, of of that money coming off the books, they would then have to sign an outfielder. Um, So if they sign Pollock, that solves that. But again, Pollock and the injuries and all of that stuff.
1: My deal is I love Tramiel, and the more I hear about him, the more excited I get about him. And uh, just he seems like an incredibly intelligent guy who's incredibly serious about his craft. I mean, I, I don't have anything bad to say about Taylor Tramiel, but I don't see him being in Cincinnati until, you know, maybe June, May or June of 2021.
0: Oh, I think it's before that. Well, I will be very, very surprised. Maybe, I think it's maybe that, maybe, just maybe 2020 of, just because of the general change that we are seeing. We are. Um, we're going
1: to talk about that. Yes, maybe. But this is a guy that's never played higher than a ball. And remember my rule. I'm never going to get upset if they trade somebody that's never played at higher than a ball.
0: That's that's true. And, and, you know, he, I think everybody figures he'll open the season at double a, and then we'll get a sense pretty quickly if he's still with the team. Um, cause double a, I mean, everybody understands is kind of the, uh, the cut cut-off line for a lot of people. It's where the breaking pitches get a whole lot better, and uh, the fastballs get a little bit faster, and all that kind of stuff.
1: I could see him being in, C- in Cincinnati September of twenty twenty, I guess. But you're still talking twenty twenty one before he's an, a legitimate outfield option, in my oh, opinion. No. I
0: think I think he could be. In, I think he could open with the Reds in twenty twenty.
1: Uh, I think he could. I don't think he will.
0: I, I mean, I think I th- I could. Easily imagine him opening with the Reds, uh, or or kept being called up to the Reds about two weeks into the 2020 season. Oh, I think that's best
1: case scenario by far. I, I, I'm not willing to go that far. I, mean, I, I do, do. I think he has the talent that that could he could force himself into that conversation. Absolutely, no question. But I think he starts this season at Double A. I think he plays maybe all the season at Double A. If he does uh, well, he may get bumped up at the end of the year. Triple A starts next year in Triple A. And I think the Reds will give him some plenty of time in AAA in uh, 2020, and maybe bring him up September, unless there are you know injury issues. That's just, I, I, and I'm basing that only on everything the Reds have ever done for the last you know 10 years. Um, <laughs> <laughs> valid, valid point. But things may be changing. Um, and, and before we get to that though, what I like about this piece from Schoenfeld is you and I talk about it and we're but we're ridiculously optimistic, but we talk about it, this team's better. This team's probably in the neighborhood of a 500 team as constructed yeah. right now.
0: Yeah, I think they're they're probably about a 500 team right now. Yeah, And that's, I don't think that's optimistic. I think that's just where they are.
1: Yeah, well, I think that uh, Fangrass has them now at a, like a 79 wins or something uh, projection. And so, you know, 81 wins is 500. Yeah. You're in the neighborhood. Um, but what I like is just a couple of deals. Make that trade for Kluber. Let's acquire, you know, either Pollock or Keichel. Um, and all of a sudden, and, and Nick Senzel's got a spot to play every single day. All of a sudden, that's a team that goes from 500 to, you know, what if there were maybe an 88-win team as the, are the projections, you know, or an 86-win team are the projections. You're, it's not that far to 92, 95 wins. And we've seen it happen every year. I can see this being a team that's not just fun for us to watch because we've had such bad baseball to watch, but a team that's legitimately good with just a couple more moves that yeah. I don't think are unreasonable. And so that, that's why I thought this was great is that, you know, he's not saying there's 15 different things that have to happen for the Reds to, you know, be in the mix next year. Just a few little moves and we're ready. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean,
0: I really think that they are still, for me, one pitcher away from me being all in. Yes, absolutely.
1: I think if they do nothing else and, and sign D- Dallas Keuchel, um, I'm going to be
0: over the moon. Yeah, uh, same. And I mean – I saw something. Maybe it was Doug who wrote something where it was basically like Keuchel might be waiting to see what the Phillies do. Um, but the Reds have the money to sign Keuchel right now, if he's willing to come to Cincinnati. If he's willing to come to Cincinnati, yeah. they they have the money. I just get one more picture. Come on. And I wonder. I don't know. Who knows what's what's going on back behind the scenes? But you get the impression that that parts are going to start to turn. Soon, I mean, it's awfully hard to believe that you know Manny Machado and Bryce Harper aren't going to be signed before spring training starts, and spring training starts sooner than you think it does.
1: How about signing uh, Bryce Harper? Why don't they just do that?
0: Nah, Machado. Let's sign Machado.
1: Sign Machado and play him at shortstop.
0: Yeah. No. Second. Let's. Mm, here's here's this. Here, you want to get wild? <laughs> I do want to get wild, okay. Jason. Let's, let's get off season wild. You sign Machado. And then you have arrange them how you want, but you have a Machado, Senzel middle infield, and you put Peraza in center.
1: Dick Williams, Reds uh, president of baseball operations, said this week that uh, Peraza is not an option in center, but um, if you get Machado to take his spot, he's not an option in yeah. center because he's the only shortstop right now. Yeah. So if you get yeah. another shortstop. Oh my goodness! How much would uh, a certain a certain segment of uh, the Reds fandom? How insane would they go if they had Yasiel Puig flipping bats and Manny Machado not running out balls to first base?
0: They would go entirely insane, and you would hear all season as the Reds charged to 97 wins about how this was a team that just didn't have it.
1: Best offense in the National
0: League. Yeah. But they don't have the intangibles. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. Give me those guys. You know what's crazy? The Reds are not going to sign Manny Machado, and I think probably if they have a certain amount of dollars, it's better spent on pitching. Yeah. But if they wanted to sign Machado, you cannot convince me they don't have the money to do it right now.
0: No, me neither. I, I completely agree with you. And
1: I would not have always said that, but I think they've got it right now, and they're going to spend it on someone. Yeah. A- a- and I think the Reds are still looking to make a big splash. You know, Keichel, his the Reds are still associated with him. I don't know what he's going to do. He may not want to come to Cincinnati, and I wouldn't blame him if he didn't. But yeah. the Reds are still in the conversation. Among, for Corey Kluber, they're still actively trying to work something out uh, for Kluber. Yeah. We've heard uh, not just uh, – a rumors with the Indians, but rumors that the Padres are trying to work something. That's kind of a three-way deal to get uh, Kluber to, uh, to Cincinnati. So it's clearly those conversations are happening.
0: The Reds. Yeah. Every time, every time either Keuchel's name or Kluber's name comes up, the Reds are included. So I kind of feel like they're going to get one of those guys.
1: Oh, just one.
0: I think, I think I, my, my guess is that their aim is to grab one of those guys and then call it a day. Basically maybe grab an outfielder.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I can see that, and I'll be very happy with either one of those guys.
0: Yeah. But
1: but it does look like they are intent on making a big splash with the pitching staff. They're going to hash Brown get the pitching. Now, if they add Kluber or Keiko, one or the other, Alex Wood and Tanner Roark, I will say they hash
0: Brown got the pitching. Yeah, I agree. They they need one more legit pitcher. I wouldn't give them that for Sonny Gray, but they get yeah, one know. more legit pitcher and, and we're good to go.
1: Uh, man, and and they're tr- you don't want to give them too much credit for just trying. Go do it. Get it done. You know. Yeah. But at least this is something that we've not reasonably been able to say. You and I, we could go back and listen to our podcast last winter, and that's what we said all winter was like. They need to be doing it now. Go get these guys. And there was no suggestion they were really trying to go out and improve the team. This year, though, it's obvious they absolutely are trying to improve the product on the field in the major leagues in a number of different areas. And, yes, they've lost 90-plus games for, I don't know, like 45 years in a row. I can't remember the exact number. But this is probably as excited as I could be. This is why I wanted to talk to you this week because you're going to get me pumped up again. This is as (laughs) excited as you could be at this point in in the
0: offseason for a team that's lost so many games
1: over the last few years.
0: I I, – I'm very excited, actually, do you want to hear like a random thing that I did, please? I know that you do
1: I do absolutely
0: so i was I was playing around i was i can 't remember oh, this was the result. I got in some silly Twitter argument about who should lead off, and I just started wondering if if my ideal lineup, which for me right now, based on the players, they have okay, if it were up to me the this is not the batting order. This is just the the order in which I input them into the thing. But the the starting eight would be Winker, Peraza, Vado, Suarez, Barnhart, Senzel, Puig, and Shebler. That would be the your eight that get the most playing time. Yeah, right. I like it. And and I put in reasonable numbers for them. Um, I like I gave um, Joey some some slugging percentage back because he's Joey and. I gave Puig, I use Puig's projection because I think it's taking into account the great American ballpark factor. Otherwise, I think I mostly just used their stats from last year. Um, and that lineup would generate a little bit more than five runs per game. It's a lot of runs. It's a lot of runs. And I mean, you know, that's not going to be the, the eight that who are out there every single day and people will get hurt and, and all of that kind of stuff. But that is a team that will score some runs.
1: Well, it's a it's a it's a legitimate offense for a team that's trying to compete. Now, if you if you flip that around and add a a rotation that's yeah. you know yeah. at least uh, average to above average, I think there's a chance they're an average rotation right now. But you add that ace in there, mm-hmm. um, you add a Keuchel or a Kluber, and all of a sudden, I, I keep trying to say, am I just being overly optimistic? No, but I, I, don't, I... Really don't think. I think it's
0: reasonable. It's a good am team. I... Yeah, it's, well, it's not, it's not a bad team, and it's one of those circumstances where they are, this is, I think, is still important to remember, they are also a young team, you know, Castillo, we figure to get better, Molly should get better, these are guys who should develop, and, you know, people, I mean, things I like talking about, but, but for years, I beat the, the drum on Suarez, and, and more recently, I beat the drum on Peraza, and people are like, no, 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 and then, yes, 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 that's what happens, is... You look at at the peripherals and you look at you know how a young player projects, and oftentimes they grow into what they could be, which is what both of those guys did and and If the pitchers can do the same thing, and I think Castillo and Molly are are the two best bets for that, then you know think about it if if Castillo becomes the pitching equivalent of Suarez and and Molly becomes the pitching equivalent of Peraza, this is a real good team and
1: because it's a young team. They're competitive this year. If you go out and get one of those pitchers that we keep talking about, and yeah. yes, they're going to lose a couple of pitchers next year, and they're going to lose an outfielder next year. They're going to lose um, uh, Alex Wood and Tanner Rohr won't be there. But you'll have another year of hey, is this is De Stefani? Is he you know can we count on him? Uh, is Tyler Mally ready? you know, we'll have some of those questions answered. So you push that down the road just a little bit. That's the, the benefit of signing some, uh, and trading for some of these guys that are just on one-year deals. And then you've got all this financial flexibility next winter to go and you've got another year of deciding where the big holes are going forward. And uh, But you're going to have either Kluber or Keichel for the next uh, three years at least. And so you can start picking these uh, smaller areas. We need to get another number three starter. Uh, you know, maybe Castillo's shown that he's a number two You know, uh, maybe we have to replace Puig, or maybe maybe Puig looks good. He has a great season, and he wants to resign. I mean, you know, you've got lots of flexibility with a lot more information while still being able to watch a competitive team in 2019. And I just think it's a best-case scenario.
0: Yeah, I I fully and wholeheartedly agree with everything you just said.
1: It's about time. And uh, to shift gears to our next topic, probably the reason why I am – So optimistic right now and I've gotten so much more optimistic this just this past week with seeing all the rumors. The Reds continue to try to get in the in the mix. But two words will tell you why I am just I've decided I love the way this organization is going right now. Those two words are Cody Atkinson.
0: (laughs) Those are not the two words that our listeners were expecting.
1: Absolutely not. Cody Atkinson. Cody Atkinson. Back at uh, the end of July last year, he was hired to be the head coach of Centralia College Baseball. 30 years old. All right. C- Centralia College. I don't even know what Centralia College is. But I know the first thing he did there was they would had a logo there that was like the Reds' C. And he got rid of it and went to the, uh, the block C that uh, Cleveland uses. Now, how is this guy the single reason why I am so excited about Reds' baseball? Well, the Reds just hired Cody Atkinson. Look at that, right on cue. The Reds just hired Cody Atkinson as the club's first ever hitting assessment and run production coach across all levels of the Reds organization. Hitting assessment and run production coach. Jason, I don't even really know what a hitting assessment and run production coach
0: is. Do you? I don't, but it continues to sound like the Reds are going all in and in sort of the more uh, advanced, fine-toothed comb kind of development.
1: This offseason, they've hired David Bell as manager, and we don't know how he's going to be as manager, but every interview you've seen with him over the last three years makes you think this is a guy that's, his, you know, uh, his mind is wide open. He's... Uh, he he wants an office in the front office with the with management so that he can be involved in uh, player acquisition and uh, really open to analytics. And then he hires Derek Johnson, the pitching coach from the Brewers, who is very highly regarded as one of the best pitching coaches in the game. They go out and get him, go steal him from the Brewers. The Brewers wanted to keep him. They get Turner Ward, hitting coach from L.A., who the the Dodgers wanted to keep him. But then and they've hired uh, some other guys. But then they hired Jeff Pickler. As the game planning coach and Cody Atkinson as the hitting assessment and run production coach. And these are the, the Reds have never had those coaches.
0: You're right. Yeah. Yeah. This is new stuff. And so that's why I'm so
1: excited. Is uh, Am I wrong that that just is a signal that this is absolutely a different Reds team than you and I have ever seen in our lives in terms of the way they're being run?
0: Yeah, I would agree. This this off season, I don't know of any precedent for it, um, based based on what I have seen so far in terms of the coaching turnover uh, and the hires that they've made. Um, and I mean, it's been—I'm trying to remember if I can remember an off season where they've made trades like this. There have been some mid season acquisitions, but I don't. I, I mean, there was the Griffey trade, but that was kind of you know that was unusual circumstances. Um, But But otherwise, I'm not sure. Do you remember any season when they've been this active?
1: No, I really don't. Um,
0: Because for most of our
1: lives as Reds fans, active meant, you know, leather pants, Jim Bowden going out and trying to find some retread pitcher. And, you know, I mean, they're never really, certainly never active on the free agent market. How many blockbusters have, trades have there been? I guess right before, right before the 2010 to 13 window, you know, when they acquired uh, Latos and yeah, they were active then yeah scott Rowland, you know that's probably it but hey if the reds yeah. have that kind of success going forward i'll be okay
0: yeah but i mean even roland he was mid-season that's true that's true yeah and that's what that's what's just what's interesting to me is that is the the off-season acquisitions um i don't know it's just it's fun i'm enjoying it I, i'm gonna credit
1: all the activity to the fact that during this past season, the Reds expected to be a little bit better, and they were awful. And you and I absolutely went nuts on Redleg Nation Radio many, many times. And and I'm sure someone in uh, management had to say, oh, my goodness, if we've lost Jason and Chad, you know, the two the guys that really, truly want to uh, be optimistic, then we've lost everybody. And they decided we can't do this again. We absolutely And maybe that's from Castellini, or maybe it's just from uh, Dick Williams and Nick Kroll convincing Castellini uh, to let them do something to try to save their own jobs. I don't know. But they've reshaped this entire organization in, what, three, four months.
0: Yeah, I don't think that's overstating it is, it, is it? Well, I mean, I do think, I, let me put it this way. I would not be surprised if, you know, it's not just just you and I at Red Leg Nation, but kind of overwhelmingly they were called out in multiple publications. For- Red Leg
1: Nation radio is the most important.
0: Right. But, I mean, they were... Castellini, especially, was called out publicly by lots of people um, in lots of different places. And, I mean, to the extent of what I know about him, I think that probably stung a bit. Um, And I think that that might have been a motivating factor. I'm sure it didn't hurt in terms of of moving them into a different direction. And it might also just be a, a circumstance where, you know, they were doing it, say, you know, Bob Castellini's way for a while, and then you know, finally, if you're if you're in that team and if, or if you're in that front office, you know, either Castellini himself or somebody at some point is to be like, "We're doing what you want to do, and it's not working." Yeah.
1: Well, you know, I, I'm joking about taking credit for this because I take yeah. no credit for any of this. No. Uh, you know, you and I we talk our stuff, and uh, I know and I know some people do listen, and more listeners every week, and I appreciate all of you all. But uh, mid-season. I did write this that one piece where uh, I went back and looked at the promises that Castellani made yeah. uh, when he took over the organization and went one by one and showed how he's absolutely – except for with, with the exception of one of them, he's just – he didn't hasn't delivered on any of them, uh, again, with the exception of one. And, you know, that, that piece got a lot of traction. I don't know that he saw it or anybody within the organization. I, I can't say that. I don't have any information of that. But, you know, I did so many uh, radio shows on WLW – and ESPN 1530 that that week, just over and over, just talking about that piece. And it, I, I hoped that that would change the narrative a little bit. And I don't think that it did because, you know, it, it died after we talked about it a little bit. But yeah I wonder if some of that kind of criticism got through to him, that he promised a winner. And he he's, the Reds lost nine games four straight years. You know, you got to think it, it got through to him somehow. And um, he has been more hands-off since the season ended uh, from all public reports. And well, clearly he has been because everything they've done since the season ended has been 180 degrees opposite of everything they've been doing for the last, you know, five, six years.
0: Yep. Yep. Uh, Jason. There's no Giovanni Gallardo in any of this. (laughs) Oh my gosh. You didn't just drop a Gallardo reference on my podcast. Did you? That was, Hey, that was the moment for me last year. That (laughs) That was was. was like, what is this team doing?
1: That's great. I mean that's exactly it. Compare that to what to hiring a hitting assessment and run production coach. They hired a guy that every idiot that could look at fan graphs knew was it was going to be a disaster yeah no everyone that had half a brain knew that Giovanni Gallardo was going to be toast and 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 he was awful, just like we all predicted.
0: Yes, yes he was so.
1: Cody Atkinson, uh, let me just uh, another brief anecdote. He said that uh, he just got this job. You know, he's excited to be a head coach of a college baseball team, and that four different teams reached out to him in the last few months, uh, professional teams, to get them into their organization. And one of those, he was offered the job of the hitting coach for uh, Louisville Reds AAA affiliate in Louisville.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: And he turned it down.
0: Hmm.
1: He said, and then and when the last organization that was called was the Reds. And he turned it down. He said, Unless it's a life changing opportunity, you don't need to keep calling me. Two days later, the Reds called him again and offered him the uh, first ever hitting assessment and run production coach uh, across all levels of the Reds organization. I mean, it looks like they're not just changing in, in terms of getting new players in the big leagues, but it looks to me like they're really changing the way they're doing everything, They've reevaluated everything across all levels. And I don't know if it's gonna work, but at least they're not doing the same thing over and over again.
0: That's that's where my optimism comes. Yeah, no, they're they're finally trying something different, which is just it's it's nice. <laughs> is it, it
1: it's bad that we yeah. just want something different?
0: I mean, after what we've had the last several years, don't you I mean, wouldn't it be crazy if we didn't just want something different? Like, God, just try something. Yeah. Um oh God
1: now let me ask you this um does it say something about the way they've conducted the rebuild the last four or five years that they're just making these significant changes across the organization you know Derek johnson hired his pitching coach and part of his duties are going to be he's changing the philosophy from top to bottom of the organization isn't this something that should have happened four or five years ago yeah do do you see this as maybe as admitting
0: we didn't do things right and we all already knew that but we didn't do things Right. right in the beginning yeah, no, I th- I think so. I think that's I think that's part of it, and it's going to be interesting to see. You know, uh, around the minor league teams, how much is the is the perception that things actually are different? You know, is there a real culture shift?
1: Yeah, and I hope so. And if so, better late than never. You know, what's happened has happened. I'm just I'm glad it's happening now, before I'm too old and
0: decrepit to enjoy it. Decrepit? Why, why, Chad? Last I saw you, you were quite spry. It's been a while.
1: I'm not. I'm I'm crepit. I'm not decrepit. I'm I'm it
0: just it yeah,
1: um, all right uh, uh, Jason Cody Atkinson Cody Atkinson Cody Atkinson Cody Atkinson Hey <laughs> you want you want to answer some viewer mail questions Let's
0: answer some viewer mail questions
1: Yeah, oh, you called it viewer mail Jason
0: Oh dig on it
1: <laughs> Yes.
0: Oh, you caught me off guard! Listener mail, listener mail. Exactly. Channel's brainwashing is working even on me. It's great. I love it. Uh, for those of you that are new, and we do
1: get new w- listeners every week. I don't know why, but uh, we appreciate it. This is our segment we call Viewer Mail, and it's in honor of uh, the old uh, Late Night with David Letterman show when they had a Viewer Mail segment, and he'd answer some ridiculous questions from viewers, and then he'd, you know, bring on Father Guido Sarducci or somebody. Um. C- c- can I start calling you Father Guido Sarducci? Please do. <laughs> I think that may be your new
0: name on the on the podcast. I am entirely happy with that.
1: So, uh, how about some viewer mail questions? are from uh, you can uh, these are actual letters from actual viewers. No, none of I them have, are actual letters, and they're not from actual viewers either.
0: I All have it. a question. Okay, let's hear it. Where can one go to view our audio podcast?
1: You got to pull it up on your phone. Subscribe to it via iTunes, uh, wherever you subscribe to podcasts. Subscribe to it, and then uh, push play, and then you can just look at our logo.
0: See, I where I come from, what just happened was me uh, giving Chad the business, and (laughs) and uh, and he did not take the bait. No, he just played the straight man. But you know, you know what I meant, Chadwick. Say it. Huh? Tell us. What do you mean? I don't know what, what you're talking about. No it's an audio podcast. It's listener mail.
1: <laughs> it's viewer mail. It's in honor of David Letterman. You remember him?
0: I do. And yeah, 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 still.
1: Uh, it's the reason that I'm so hilarious on here is because my my comedy craft was uh, was influenced by David Letterman. I mean, there are worse places to start. I know, but I didn't learn my lessons very well, most listeners are saying. No, no, not at all. <laughs> Okay, actual letters from actual viewers. Not true, but I'm going to keep saying it I wish you mean
0: tweets from listeners.
1: Um, Yes, uh, you can tweet tweet us at Radio If you have questions for viewer mail, uh, give us the hash brown uh, viewer mail hashtag. And uh, hopefully we'll uh, answer your question, answer as many as we can. I do want to make a special note to uh, at Cincy Picker. This is John Yarberry, who who sent us a question last week that we weren't able to get to. But I wish we had because... His question was, who do you think the heir apparent is to Marty when he retires? And then all of a sudden, Marty's retiring.
0: I believe he knew something.
1: I think he might have known something. Uh, I had heard a suggestion that um, Dan Horde, maybe, might, uh, might take over for uh, Marty. And uh, instead, I think what I'm hearing is Tommy Thrall. And Marty said he's going to be doing 60 or 70 games this year. Who was the... That's
0: uh, the the Pensacola guy, right?
1: Pensacola, Double A, And he did a game, I think, with Cincinnati this year. And he's supposed going to be doing 60 or 70 this year. And I think Marty suggested it may be him. I don't know. Listen, we'll listen. I don't know who the, who's really going to replace him. I'm told it's not going to be Jim Day and it's not going to be Tom Brenneman. Finn Brenneman, John Fay called him on Twitter. No.
0: Yes, no thin Brenneman for us.
1: No thin Brenneman. Maybe thick Brenneman, but we're not going to get into that. Uh, (laughs) Viewer mail questions. This one from Doug Gray at DougDirt24. Do you know Doug Gray?
0: Uh, I mean, it rings a vague bell. Yeah.
1: Doug Gray of RedsMinorLeagues.com and RedLegNation.com asks, uh, in honor of Marty, Chad, do you have your shirt on? Now, do do you get that reference? Do you know what that reference is?
0: This is a reference to the Marty shirt,
1: right? This is a reference. No, it's, it's a reference yeah. to when Adam Dunn called on the banana phone. Oh, yeah! And yes. talked to Marty uh, during a rain delay, and, and he was Adam from Milwaukee, and he said, "He "Oh, said, uh, Marty, you have your shirt on.'" <laughs> and it's one of the highlights of my uh, life was listening to that. Uh, and we've played that several times on red Lake nation radio over the years. But, uh, so to answer Doug's question, uh, no, I don't have my shirt
0: on. Whoa, whoa. Family podcast, Chad. Oh, okay.
1: Um,
0: at, your, mom, your mom just turned off. Now they're
1: an OB She finally has given up on me after yeah. all these years. Uh, Vander at Vander ten seventeen asks a question. And it also is similar to a question asked by um, our, our buddy John Yarberry again. Um, favorite uh, ballpark food and uh, or best and was was John Yarberry's question favorite ballpark food? Uh, Vander's was best food and beer, uh, best food and best beer available at Great American Ballpark. You have any thoughts on those? Best ballpark uh, food first.
0: Uh, I mean, I think Fry Box is the place to go for food. You um, think so? Yeah, I mean that's what I enjoy the most personally. It's way more than I I can eat, but it's good.
1: Uh there's a tie for best food. For me, man, the the Coney, the Skyline Coney is just I can't top it. I, I've tried and I can't top it.
0: Um, well, you know.
1: But that's but that's tied with uh B. The Coney was A. B, right. B was anything served in a helmet, a plastic helmet. <laughs> Always going to be the best.
0: Yes, helmet served items are are better because of the helmet, it's true.
1: And C would be, my son says, the free ice cream they gave him in the uh, Reds TV booth this year. they got free ice creams over there that Joel Luckup is just eating uh, every night. All the time. Oh, it's ridiculous. Um, So there's there's our answers. Uh, I'm correct, Jason's wrong. What about best beer available at Great American Ballpark? You know, I can't say that I'm really an authority on that. They've got a lot of different beers.
0: Yes, I I also am not an authority on that, so we, we may have to have to pass that on to the to, to to other.
1: Yeah, you all tell us what the what the best beer is, and then we can try it next time we're there. I mean, I've had different uh, beers there, but uh, it's uh, not that I'm against beer, but uh, you know, I just I can't say that I, I'm a connoisseur enough to be able to answer that. Matthew White at Matthias White on Twitter asks. Do you think that teams that earn a reputation for moving players slowly through the minors or playing games with service time will eventually have a difficult time signing draft picks? You want that one or you want me to take it?
0: I can take it. Sure. Um, I don't think the draft pick thing is going to come up because the, the way draft picks works is you can sign with that team or you cannot sign with anybody. Um... I think the service time manipulation and and stuff like that. I think that's going to get us a labor stoppage here in a couple of years. I think is what's going to happen. Yeah,
1: I think you're right. I think in terms of the, it's not going to cause anybody to have a difficult time signing draft picks. That's just, it's not going to. Um, I don't like the way that I feel like the Reds are occasionally uh, moving players slowly. I don't think it hurts them. What did it hurt them with uh, signing Nick Senzel or Jonathan India? You know, two of the yeah. best prospects we've got. Now playing games of service time. I don't think that is has a is going to play any kind of a a role in terms of uh, where players are choosing to go because you can't choose when you're drafted. And also everybody does it. You know, it's not just the reds
0: there, but I, think- I do think one of, one of the things, one of my pet peeves about this is I feel like if a, it's, it's a penny pinching move. And I feel like if a team were to decide to do things differently and to do things in a way that sort of feels more right Um, I think those are the circumstances wherein you maybe get a hometown discount when somebody wants to, is looking for, for an extension. But I mean, if I'm a guy and you call me up two weeks into the season, so you can, what feels to me probably like steal an extra year of my time where I don't get to make as much as I can make, then I'm not signing with you unless you just break the bank.
1: And who knows how much that plays a, a, a role five years down the road, but absolutely, I mean, I wonder, is that not maybe not the new market inefficiency, the money ball? Call your guys up when they're ready. Yeah. And then if they're really good and you have to pay them a year early, pay them a year early and keep them in town. I mean, that's maybe that's the new market inefficiency is getting more production out of a guy just because you're willing to pay him on the front end. I don't know. You know, something
0: I mean, different. and also just, you know, I always say players are human and they remember who treated them well and who didn't.
1: Yeah. If the Reds don't start treating us well, we're gonna remember we're gonna go become uh, Kansas City Royals fans.
0: Oh, oh well, let's not get ugly.
1: Hold on here. You know who plays for the Royals now? One Billy Hamilton.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> if there's if there's an ex Red who I would who I I, I I am uh attached to still, it would it would have to be Mr. Cueto.
1: You mispronounced Always. Billy Hamilton.
0: I always I always root for Johnny Cueto. Really one of my one of my greatest aspirations frankly is to just be invited to Johnny Cueto's house for dinner because from his Instagram feed it looks like he has the best dinners. Yeah, I just
1: want to be in the background of one of his Instagram live videos. Yeah. Just the just the guy standing around the pool. Yeah. All right, I want to be that guy. Yeah. Next viewer mail question from Andrew Mac at Mac 2488 on Twitter do you think the Reds will have another competitive stretch again soon, like 2010 to 2013, and how soon? If so, my answer is yes, and I would say how soon? Uh, April of 2019?
0: Yeah, I agree. I think I think that this, we'll see, but I think this could be the year where they're kind of like the Phillies were last year, where, you know, just kind of like clearly drastic improvement, but maybe not quite ready for prime time yet. And then next year they go over the top, but yeah, I think I think we're we are essentially there now.
1: Or if you put it in terms of that two thousand ten to two thousand thirteen window for the Reds, the most recent window of competitive play, this could be the two thousand nine season where they you know you're, you're on the cusp. Um, yeah, but if the Reds uh, operate well the rest of this offseason, it could be two thousand ten. I mean, it could be the first year that they make the playoffs in, in a window. I mean, I, it, it, that can happen. So I think it's soon. I think we're close, Andrew. How close? Uh, let's wait and see what happens the rest of the off season.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, let's see. Ethan price at Ethan T price on Twitter asks, who do you think will be on the big league roster as far as our pitchers go? And what role do you think they will play? And he mentioned several guys in, uh, specifically, and, and that's sort of an open opening question. So let's go for, with each of these guys that he mentions.
0: All right. Brandon Finnegan. Uh, see... not on the roster.
1: Ooh, I could see him though, earning a spot in the bullpen. Not the Finnegan we saw last year,
0: though. Maybe, but I, I'm not betting on it until he shows something.
1: Yeah, but but you don't you would agree? I w- I think that he has a, such a live arm, and he's a lefty yeah. that he could yeah. work his way into the conversation very quickly as a reliever.
0: Yeah, if he shows up and he's got his act back together, then yeah, I think he he could be kind of a um, maybe a seventh inning guy.
1: Yeah, no, I think so. I think so, and maybe even more, but for this year. I think he could work yeah. his way in that conversation. Uh, Bob, Steve, Robert Stevenson, former number one draft pick, former number one prospect for the Reds.
0: I, uh, I honestly, I'll be surprised if he starts the season in the organization.
1: <laughs> I was going to say I'll be surprised if he pitches an inning for the Reds this year. I just, yeah. I think his time is, is he needs a change of scenery. Um, and I'm, I don't know, I'm tired. Uh, Wandy Peralta. That's another guy that I think. I'm I mean, not convinced he'll play for the Reds in 2019.
0: No, I'm not either. I could see him as a middle relief guy. I mean, if he's if he's if there's no like he gets cut loose kind of thing or anything like that, he could be a. You know, I mean, every team uses approximately 7,000 relief pitchers every year, and mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if he threw 20 innings.
1: Right. I mean, he 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 was good for the first month or two of his Reds career, and he's really not been great since.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, but he is a lefty, and that, those guys sometimes get more chances. But he's a guy that uh, could uh, be sacrificed in favor of Finnegan, for example, if Finnegan can make it. Jackson Stevens. Uh, Stevens is still just going to be, what, 23, 24 next year? He's a, middle, he's a middle reliever. He's a middle reliever that will bounce back and forth between Louisville and Cincinnati at best for him i think right
0: yeah I, I would guess i would guess that he his his end goal is the kind of like it's actually a role i feel like you don't see very much anymore but but kind of a, a long man who can give you two or three innings but who if you need a spot start then he he can go out and be serviceable for you don't want him in your rotation but i, I think he's serviceable as a as a long man swing man kind of thing
1: now he's a he's a, a, a Organizational depth guy that you know yeah. he's going to be good enough to be organizational depth. He's not going to be good enough to win a spot full time probably, but you want to keep him around. He's cheap and he's young.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, Matt Whistler, who came, we didn't get see a lot of him last year. Came over in the Adam Duvall trade from uh, Hot Atlanta. That's what we call Atlanta around here, Jason. Hot Atlanta.
0: Nobody really calls it that. Nobody, no, absolutely no one calls it that. Uh,
1: Whistler's a guy that's you know he's uh, sort of similar. He, I mean, I think he can he can pitch in the big leagues. But it's going to depend on who's doing what and what the numbers are. And I, I don't have a problem with him being in the bullpen. I wouldn't be surprised if he were in the bullpen on opening day. But also, yeah. I'm not going to bet the ranch on it.
0: No, he's one of those – like, he's just a cluster of middle guys. And it, it's one of those rare instances where probably how you are how you look in spring matters. Because every, every team has their, you know, 11th and 12th pitchers who are just kind of, you know, interchangeable with probably the you know, 13, 14, and 15 pitchers.
1: Yeah, Whistler, uh, you know, even, and even maybe Finnegan are the reason why. I think the Reds could have a sort of an underrated, sneaky chance at having a pretty good bullpen this year, uh, assuming they don't trade um, a Roselle Iglesias. Uh, yeah. You know, a guy like Whistler, man, that's a guy that's – if he's your fifth guy in the bullpen, you know,
0: that's that's not bad to me. I, I think he's got talent. Yeah, he's fine. He's got a career of 514 ERA. I mean, Yeah, but come on. Um, <laughs> I'm saying he's got talent. Everybody who's pitched in the major leagues has got talent.
1: Don't give me what any does, data points that, are, that will argue against what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Uh, the next two guys I'm going to take together because I think they kind of both uh, are similar. And, and let me tell you why, and then you can tell me what you, what you think. Lucas Sims, the other guy that came over in that uh, Duvall trade yeah. with Atlanta, and Cody Reed. Yeah. I think those are guys who have – uh, you know, I talked about Whistler having ability. I think those are two guys that have big league rotation ability. Uh, but they've got some things to prove early yeah. on. So I could see both of those guys being key members of the Reds, either as uh, you know depth in the rotation or as, uh, as key relievers. But I think both those guys are talented enough to be in the big league uh, bullpen at
0: the very least. Yeah, and I think, I mean, especially I, we saw – uh, Cody finally looked kind of comfortable yeah. in the majors at the end of last season.
1: I'm cheering for Cody Reed.
0: Yeah, I, I am too. Big and time. and so it's also a circumstance though, where one or both of those guys in a trade that for instance, were to bring Corey Kluber, it would not at all surprise me if one or both of them were included in that trade.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Trade bait guys that uh, could uh, other teams could see what we're seeing as well.
0: Right. Because that's, to my understanding, that's one of the things that Cleveland is looking at in return is is kind of some, like, high-ceiling sort of pitching potential.
1: We got Uh, those guys. Yeah. I don't know if they're going to reach their ceiling.
0: No, no. But I could see that as a circumstance, especially, again, especially with Reed, who really started to show something. And if the Reds get one more pitcher, then things start to look awfully crowded for Cody Reed, don't they? I mean, if if they get Keuchel or Kluber, then... All of a sudden, Deisclafani's your fifth starter, and Molly's probably your sixth starter. And, and yeah, where, where does, and Cody's reads out of options, I think too, right? Yeah, I think he's got to be this year. Yeah, yeah Such a so, light
1: arm and such great goggles. I just yeah.
0: So he's either on the team or he's not. Um, which might make him a really good candidate for for a trade, oh, or just a good candidate to be, you know, in the bullpen. I mean, Cody yeah. can he can throw, and I mean. Shoot, give me an inning out of him. He's a guy that I really want to see Derek Johnson get his hands on. That would be interesting, yeah, to see if he can, you know, sort of get
1: out of that potential that we all have seen in him, whether he's in Cincinnati or elsewhere. I'm going to be cheering for. I'm just telling you, I'm going to be cheering for Cody. We talk about guys that leave the Reds that we root for. I'm hoping he figures it out because he's got so much talent and seems like such a good kid. And I just I want to see him figure it out and have a career because I still think that's a possibility.
0: Last yeah, I do. I, well, I think he's going to have a big league career. The, the question is, is what's it going to look like? But right. I mean, I think he's going to have one. Yeah, uh, he has great goggles. He does have great goggles.
1: <laughs> the last the one that Ethan mentioned was Big Sal, Sal Romano, and I. I think Sal Romano starts the year in the Reds bullpen, and if he performs, he's there all year. That's my opinion on Sal Romano.
0: Um, I might disagree with you there just a little bit. That would be the first time. Yeah, I know. We always agree. I think Sal starts in Louisville's rotation. Oh, I don't know. Just because, I mean, you're going to need some depth there. Though, I don't know. They kind of seem to look at him as, as bullpen at the end of the year, and that seemed to really be his role. But he was he had a run of not being so bad as a starter. At age
1: 24. Um, yeah. Which is not, nothing, you know?
0: Yeah. So,
1: I, I think he still has a future with the Reds organization. Um I just I see it being in the bullpen. I think he's in the big league uh, bullpen to start the season, and he's your swing guy. He's your long reliever.
0: Here's a here's a here's a question that that might sort things a little bit. Who are the guys who are definitely like locks in the bullpen? Garrett and Iglesias and Lorenzen. That's probably it. And that's yeah, that's probably it. Um,
1: but a lot of really interesting names to fill out the rest of that bullpen.
0: Yeah. So then you've got what I mean, realistic. If we're talking opening day roster, probably four or five slots, right? Yeah, yeah, the, that are going there. Cody Reed's probably there. Yeah, Big, I, I think Reed. he's not included in a trade package, I think he's he's pretty well locked to be on the team. Yeah,
1: um, it's going to be sort of a low key uh, race in
0: spring training, a battle yeah. to see who's going to earn those spots. Well, and especially because the you know the back end of the bullpen is, is pretty firmly nailed down. Um, so it's going to be a matter of who's, who's driving for those extra innings or, or, you know, who wants to get it, get time when, you know, Garrett and Iglesias have both gone two days in a row or something like, you know, who wants, who wants the chance? Who's going to get, you know, reach for the best ring as it were.
1: Am I wrong though? Or am I just being this crazy optimist again? I don't think I have to squint too hard to see this though, this being a really effective bullpen. And we're not hearing a lot of that, but I think it can be.
0: I think it's fine. I always just assume all bullpens will be average because relief pitchers are capricious and unpredictable. True, you never know. Yeah, I assume when I whenever I like think about like teams or whatever, I never even look at relief pitching because who knows? Really, they
1: could be great or they could be awful oh, or something. know Who are forgetting?
0: Who are we forgetting? Jared Hughes.
1: Jared Hughes, yes, who was a really effective last year, and David Hernandez, the two guys they yeah. signed last year that are both back. Hernandez, I'm so less that's high quite on, but a
0: good bullpen, isn't it?
1: Oh man, it's starting to look pretty good.
0: So you got Hughes, Hernandez, Lorenzen, uh, Garrett, and Iglesias. That's five spots. So they're, you're ha- they're probably have- guaranteed,
1: presuming health.
0: Yeah. So you're having a battle for two more spots. If Reed, who is out of options, it's one of those, then there's a lot of battle for that last spot in the bullpen.
1: Yeah. Uh, Reed and Romano, uh, but then Lucas Sims. I, I don't know if he's out of options. But he's got to be close.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I Bob I, Steve. I, I, uh, it's not going to be Stevenson.
1: I know, but he's out, out of options.
0: Yeah, I think some guys are going to get traded. Um, I, I mean, it seems logical that, that some of those guys would would move on to, to different pastures. Sims should have one more option if I'm looking at this correctly. Okay. Uh, he's got one more option here. He just made me um, man out. Yeah, yeah, that probably will make him. He'll, he'll be opening the season in a little rotation, I'll bet you.
1: Let's, yeah, I think you're probably right. And I think that's fine. Because yeah. he still has, same as Cody Reed, I think he has a chance to be a starter. All right, let's let's uh, let's do some rapid fire. We've gone, we talked longer about the bullpen than I expected we would, which is fine. That's what's fun about uh, viewer mail. Let's uh, do some rapid fire. At SVC SportsZone uh, on Twitter says, Hey, guys, love the show. Thank you, buddy. I know we're all high on and ready to see Sinzel. Do you think he helps a roster like the Reds more as a Josh Harrison type of talent where he can help the Reds be deeper and able to better handle the injuries that are sure to happen? Thanks. Uh, let's, let's just, we'll take these in alternating form. You mean to take this one or you want this one?
0: You go for it. All
1: right. I think that, uh, he helps the, he can help the Reds in that role. Absolutely. I'd rather see him as a starting second baseman or, you know, whatever, but he can help the Reds uh, in, I think he can play multiple positions. And, and what people forget is you don't need just eight guys to play those positions. You're going to need way more, uh, yeah. over the course of the season, there are going to be 500 at bats for Nixon's Zell if he's healthy, um, And I'm fine with him this year being a Josh Harrison type that plays around or Ian Happ, although maybe not quite as uh, flexible. But I'm fine with that this year.
0: Yeah, I would be too. And I would wager that Nick Senzel defensively is probably average or better everywhere except shortstop and catcher.
1: Yeah, and so uh, you can Uh justify playing him wherever. So All right, next question from our buddy Mike Flick, at Mike Flick on Twitter. And I'll let you answer this one first. If you could take one past Reds player season just one past Reds player single season, and drop it into the 2019 team, for example, 1976 Joe Morgan or 1982 Paul Householder, which one would you take?
0: I am prepared for this one because I saw this, this ah, question. Ah, good. What would, you, what would you take? I would take 1972 Johnny Bench. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. His second MVP season. His second MVP season, his highest according to Winsborough replacement is a 9.2 um and i take that because as much as i like tucker i think that is the great season from reds past which would stand to be the biggest upgrade over what the current reds team would feature although boy you know what you know what's an underrated season what's that Sorry, I'm, I'm I'm I'm
1: I'm While while you're looking there, let me just say this. I, no, 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 I got it. I got it. Okay, that's here. It. I got it. Uh
0: 1993 Jose Riho. Oh, that's
1: You you scooped me, man. <laughs> that's I, where I, I was going. Yeah. Riho. I, I couldn't decide between Riho or you know one of these years that Yule Blackwell was so great. Um in the 40s for the Reds. Uh, but I, I was I was thinking, what ace pitcher season will we take? I mean, yeah. Joe Morgan, seventy five, seventy six. Joe Morgan. That's what. That's the obvious answer. But that doesn't help the two thousand nineteen Reds at second base as much as a guy like Bench. Yeah, over, I mean, it helps
0: them a lot. Like, let's be well, clear. Like, yeah, I mean, it's going to help. But <laughs> like, that's like you know, that's still a big upgrade. But it's not as big of an upgrade as say like a Johnny Bench or a, like one of those rare great Reds pitching seasons. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's that's sort of where I was going. And I, 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 Reho is the guy that I wanted to land on. And 93 is probably the year. Yeah. Um, Riho, an underrated, I don't think people realize how good he was at his best. He's one one of of, two actual aces the Reds have had for, you know, more than like a year in my lifetime, I think.
0: One of the things that I, you know, I think the fact that Riho for whatever reason never had a season where he got like a crazy win total kind of diminishes people's understanding of how good he was. But I always tell people, if you look at Jose Riho's numbers, from 1990 through 1994, and you stack them up against Greg Maddox's numbers from the same period, there's not a whole lot of difference.
1: Some people said to me, you know, why would we give a lot up to get Corey Kluber? They've only, they'll have only they only have him for three years. And my response is always, Johnny Cueto, Jose Rio. In my lifetime, really, those are the only guys yeah. for three years— that have been as good as Corey Kluber is likely to be. So I, it, getting an ACE type guy for three years is a big deal.
0: We've not seen it. You are entirely correct.
1: Yeah. So, so you're, but you're
0: going to go with bench. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, I would call it a tie between those, but I'll go with bench since that's what I said first.
1: Okay. I I would go with Reho, but I'd rather go with a uh, Yule Blackwell because there's a great chapter about him in this book that's out now called the big 50. <laughs> I love that chapter. Um, all right, again, we're trying to go quickly. We've gone way longer than I expected, Jason. Why do we always talk so much?
0: That's what we do. Right.
1: From I hate the sun at Joe Needhard, which member of the Big Red Machine would stack up best against today's pitching? Now that one, I think we're going to agree on this one.
0: Oh, that's Joe Morgan. Joe Easy. Morgan. Period. He's one, he's just the greatest. He's um, the greatest second baseman ever so yeah joe morgan yes
1: uh dwight <laughs> kelly i you know i agree with you that facebook is a cesspool but we don't need to really analyze that too much uh steve hofmeger appreciate the question about the marty tribute i think it's a good idea at some point um here we go steven salton at stevo 1983 if you had to choose one who would you rather give up as a centerpiece for Kluber, suarez or sinzel i think it's my turn no, to pick
0: no question sorry i'm sorry go I ahead have big points. What's I that? Blurted answer. I blurted out my answer which was Sinzel because I have big feelings.
1: Well, I I I think that's right. I mean, I think yeah. we agree there. I and, and, and I love Nick Sinzel, one of my favorite prospects ever for the Reds. Um but Suarez, we know what he is. We yeah. know he's a star. Sinzel, yeah. we I'm pretty sure Sinzel's going to be a star. But <laughs> we know
0: Suarez is. So, yeah, yeah. I think- and I mean Suarez is is he's well, one—I mean, frankly, I also Suarez's contract is such a ridiculously friendly contract.
1: That's it, and we've we'll uh, been for the next six years.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm give me a Eugenio.
1: Uh, plus, he does that little salsa dance during rain delays that I love. So much fun! I don't want him on another team. I agree. I can't. Always a smile on his face. I mean, he's just a fun guy to have around.
0: So, and he's—I mean maybe two seasons away from being one of the top three third basemen in Reds history. Uh, oh yeah. No, he's there.
1: I mean, at the end of his yeah. six, at the end of his six years, he is going to be up. Th- I mean, right now the, the top two third basemen I think are Tony Perez and honey grow.
0: Yeah. And he's going to be up there with
1: them. Yeah. He's going to be a, a legend in Reds history. And so, yeah, yeah. give me that guy. Uh, Derek Jones at DJJ one Oh uh, one five. Love the viewer mail. With Marty announcing his retirement, what's your favorite Reds radio call that he's made? That's a tough one for me. You may have an answer for that one, but I'm just going to say every single time he said his signature line, and this one belongs to the Reds. Um, you know, he's so many he's great calls. I mean, that guy that guy came in with uh, his first game. I think was calling Hank
0: Aaron's 714th home run. What a, what a career! Yeah. Anything you know- in particular you want to mention? There's just one that I can. I'm I'm kind of bad at recalling sort of individual things, but I have this really early, like sort of formative baseball memory. I wasn't that young. I was maybe probably 13 or 14, and or, you know 12 or 13, something along those lines. But it was back when Pedro Martinez was with the Expos, um, and he was pitching against the Reds, and he took a no hitter really deep into the game, like. Eighth or ninth inning or something like that. I, you know, I'd, I'd have to look up the actual box score to say for sure. But I just remember how excited both Marty and Joe were when when whoever it was, because I again I was a kid, I don't remember, but whoever it was broke up the no hitter. And I keep in mind that I was listening on the radio very low after I was supposed to be in bed, like you know, one one of those kind of things. And I just remember their excitement, and I was like, and that, I don't know for some reason that is has imprinted into my uh, into my mind.
1: Uh, good one. Absolutely. So, um, so many good ones. Marty. Oh, Marty. Hey, did you know he wrote the forward to my book? I did. What's your book called again, Chad? The Big 50, the men and moments that made the Cincinnati Reds. Um, all right. So many good questions. We can't get to them all. We've gone way long. Uh, good question. Nicholas Harrison. We've kind of tried to answer it on what the current roster chances of continuing already are. Um, Taryn Kidner, good question. We're not going to get to it, but I'll, let me just tell you, um, I think that they're gonna be buyers either way, but they've got to uh, it's gotta be something smart for the next three years. Um, Matt Wilkes. At underscore Matt Wilkes, who's your favorite red leg nation writer?
0: Well, I mean that's easy. Me. Okay, yeah, mine's Jason
1: Linden as well. My least that's favorite correct. my least favorite, Matt Wilkes. Not true at all. Matt Wilkes, if you haven't read his stuff at Red Lake Nation, is outstanding. He's really a he's really amazing. Uh, my least favorite is Doug Gray, but uh, so I'm gonna. You already used uh, Jason Linden as your favorite one, so I'm gonna say Matt Wilkes is my favorite. Okay. Um, Phil Philip Razor at PSR1973 um, hashtag uh, Razor equals downloads. Which of the 2019 Marvel movies are you most looking forward to?
0: Um. Do you have opinions on this, Chad? No, I don't know any of the ones that are coming out. No, I'm vaguely aware. I will say that I held off for a really long time on those, and then and then finally, at some point, I, uh, I I I started watching them. They they became sort of my like Friday night. I'm tired at the end of the week. Sure, they're all fun. Yeah, let's watch something mindless and fun.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. I think I saw the trailer for a new the new Spider Man, and that one looks to me like it's the most fun. Yeah. Um. And so I'll I'll, I'll take that one for now.
1: The last live action Spider Man was garbage. That's my hot take. Uh, my favorite one for 2019. I'm most excited to see Captain Super Guy. Is is that one of them?
0: Uh, yeah, sure, let's go with that. <laughs> uh,
1: I, I don't know any of them that. I'm excited for, but I'll say this: the last Spider Man, the animated one, outstanding, very, very I, good. It's not... Um, it's worth watching. All right, so uh, let's see. Uh, okay, here we go. Jeff at Jeff Carr from the uh, Locked On Reds uh, Radio Podcast. Um, Jeff Carr asks, what's Dotson's uh, favorite Virginia basketball game he's ever attended? You have an answer for that one?
0: Uh, I, I know which game it wasn't. <laughs> you <laughs> son of a. It's been really nice being on this podcast. Every,
1: <laughs> every time Virginia basketball is mentioned, I got to hear those four letters. You want to say them? Uh, UM bc yeah uh, i yeah right, that, that's a crazy question but he knew i'd, I'd answer because i'll take the bait on virginia basketball every time the answer is when i was a student there uh carolina was ranked number one at the time and uh, we camped out all night for uh front row seats for uh virginia versus north carolina is on espn big game and virginia won it was the uh, jerry stackhouse and i think rasheed wallace and that bunch were for carolina and so that was an exciting time for me that was my favorite game ever my least favorite uh Anyway, this has been Red Lake Nation Radio. Uh, Jason, I'm glad you're – we've got to cut it short here. We're going way long. Uh, Thank you so much for for, uh, coming on again, Jason. Despite the fact that you mentioned UMBC, you're still my guy, and
0: I enjoy talking to you. Can I throw one last thing in here real quick, Chad? Yeah, please do. Uh, I found it. Um, It was um, April 13th, 1994. I would have been 13. Pedro Martinez uh, lost the no-hitter at the, in the top of the ninth inning. He threw eight innings, struck out eight the Reds and uh, eventually lost three to two uh, the, to the Expos. The red starting pitcher that day was Jose Rijo, who also went eight innings.: Good old Rijo, that's a pretty good game. Yeah, that was a good game. Yeah, <laughs> I am why I remember it
1: now. All right, go subscribe to the podcast. We've told you how to subscribe every time, whatever. If you can't figure out how to subscribe to it, then just listen to us at redlegnation.com. Follow us on Twitter at RedLegRadio. He's at Jason Linden on Twitter. I'm at Dotson C. Uh, I don't know. Anything else you have to say here, Jason? I think I'm good. I'm good, too. Thank you so much for joining us and for downloading. I always appreciate the fact that you listen to us. For Jason Linden and Father Guido Sarducci, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone.